0: All right, welcome everybody to the CrushCast. Today we've got Matt Gast. Is that name familiar to you? Well, he's second generation and Val started in 1985 and he continues that great tradition. And he also serves as the national chair of the NAF in this, the 50th year of the NAF. So first off, Matt, congratulations on being the chair and welcome. Thanks, Jim. Thanks for having me. We had a session yesterday with the NAF, and as usual, you ran a tight ship. I wonder, what's it feel like being the national chair of the NAF? What's that like for you?
1: <laughs> uh, humbling. That's what, I, I guess that's where I would start is it's humbling and it's an honor. Uh, I have not been at Equitable all that long, so the opportunity to be in a, in a position to help the field to the level that the NAF can and to the level that the NAF chair can, is, it's, uh, it's pretty humbling.
0: You've been in the role for a couple of months. Any early observations or takeaways about the process or the possibility for impact?
1: Yeah, well, obviously, you know, Dan, we've had 50 years of history of making impacts, sometimes greater impacts, sometimes fringe impacts, but continual conversations, and it's really building on on the shoulders of giants, right? Those who've come before us have done so much work that For us, it's just being great stewards of the organization for the year. And that's really my approach to this year is just being a good steward, making sure that the people who follow us can continue with success. Any biggies
0: on your mind in terms of potential outcomes for the year as you partner with the NAF?
1: Yeah, so so what we're looking for this year is to kind of shift the focus and expand from a strategic perspective. So our real goal this year, and especially going into the first part of the year, is looking at everything from an advisor efficiency perspective. We know that the advisors have more work that they need to do. There's more documentation. There's more challenges that we're dealing with. There's more regulation. How can we create efficiencies so that advisors can get more of their time back so they can do a better job with their existing clients so that they can attract new clients, and attract new assets, find larger share of wallet and just have more of an impact and more of a, more of a successful career building on that efficiency. So that's really our focus for this year. That's needed, so for those
0: listening, this is being taped on Friday, January 22nd, 2021. So we are 10 months into COVID-19. Let's reflect back on last year. I wonder, personally, professionally, what kind of breakthroughs, what types of opportunities, and what types of learning experiences did you have as you navigated your way through COVID?
1: Oh, uh, so I, I guess first and foremost, um, I am not the most social creature. So pivoting to a lot of virtual meetings was, was pretty dang nice for me. So I really liked it. And I've already been doing a lot of virtual meetings. I have clients all over the country where I've only done virtual for quite a while. So that was a great opportunity to expand the suite. When Equitable brought in teams, that really changed everything for us because it gave us a, a platform that I thought was incredibly effective at doing what we needed to do from a virtual perspective. Personally, uh, it was funny because I went on a fitness and nutrition kick, like hardcore on March 1st of 2020. Okay. I decided that on March 1st that I was going to get really serious about it. And two weeks later, my boys were out of school and everything was shutting down. And I was like, well, I-, I love going to the restaurant. I can't go to the restaurant. That's always my weakness on my nutrition plan. The restaurants are all shut. So this is this is going to work out great for me. So uh, we worked really hard, my family and I, and, and uh, we did a lot, of, a lot of planning around how do we make sure that family stays together, that we have some fun opportunities. So we really focused on fitness, really focused on some time together. Friday night movie nights are a big deal at the house. Every Friday night, we watch a movie that none of us have ever seen before. So now the boys are to the point where they're just totally jacked about getting to watch whatever movie we're going to watch on Friday night. And then from a fitness perspective, we kind of set goals. I've talked about it before, this idea of this ultimate 21 day challenge where I just continue to do the same things, but build on them. And that actually put us in the position where my son and I ran 100 straight days last summer. And uh, that was really cool. He was 11 and he ended up running 150 miles in 100 days. And If you've got an 11 year old boy, you know that it's it's pretty tough to get him to do anything for 100 straight days that doesn't involve Fortnite.
0: And there was some nudging initially, but then ultimately he, he got pretty fired up about it.
1: Yeah, like the first three days, it, a quarter mile in, he was, he was threatening to walk back home. And uh, <laughs> I said that was fine, but then we're not playing video games for the rest of the day. So I could hang Fortnite over his head early. Yeah. Up. And he would slow halfway through the run. And I'd be like, if you don't beat me home, there's no Fortnite. And man, that would light a fire. And that would be that. So
0: everybody's got lovers. Well, everybody's got seeing- lovers. I remember seeing a few of those photos of you and your son at the end of that run. And I think that ended up being very special time for you both. So that goes back to this Cindy Kong concept of 2Xing or 3Xing your time. You're fit, you're with your family, but then also you're teaching your son. All right, I tell people about your history with NASA, but maybe let me have you describe it. So before you became an advisor, you had a role with NASA. Could you explain to everybody what you actually did?
1: Sure, so I I had a few different roles at NASA, but when I left NASA in 2011, I was the director of the program that taught astronauts how to spacewalk. So when you think about building the International Space Station, I call that period from 2000 through about 2011, the golden age of spacewalking. Because before we would do one, two, maybe three spacewalks a year to build the International Space Station, we were doing 15, 20, 25 spacewalks a year. And in general, it takes my team about 14 months to get ready for one spacewalk. So our program, really, the goal of it was to take brand new astronauts who don't know anything, get them trained to the point where they can get uh, assigned to a mission as a spacewalking astronaut. Then our team also designs all and choreographs the entire process of building the space station for whatever that specific space shuttle mission was trains the crew on that, and when the crew launches and goes to orbit, then our team shifts and we work in mission control as the subject matter experts, supporting the crew while they're out actually doing the spacewalks. So it's amazing because it's this complete end-to-end from the astronaut not knowing anything about the program at all to getting them to the point where they're actually doing construction work on orbit safely. And uh, it, it was just a great training ground for actually being here and thinking about how we work with clients where... A lot of times when we meet them, they're not really sure what they need to have done. And so we build these plans, we train them, we choreograph the plan, we check in with them, we guide them through the entire process to retirement, through retirement. So it's really that end-to-end. And that was a great opportunity for me to learn an end-to-end process that had significant impact.
0: A lot of similarities there. Now, first, I, I wonder about the astronauts themselves. I mean, who's not fascinated by astronauts? Can you explain your perspective on their success traits? Are there a few things that jump out at you that perhaps all astronauts show in terms of capabilities or characteristics?
1: Yeah, so I I like analogies, right? Because it makes it easier for people to understand. Not everybody on this podcast will be a football fan. But if you could imagine what it would be like if Peyton Manning decided to be a financial advisor. It's pretty easy to envision that he'd be videotaping himself doing the discovery and then he'd be breaking down and critiquing himself. It's pretty easy to imagine the persistence that he would put into his prospecting process. That's really the defining trait in my mind with astronauts because you have them from all walks of life, right? You have medical doctors, you have Navy SEALs, you have theoretical physicists, you have veterinarians, you have just the gamut of, of amazing people, but it's the persistency, I would say, that's the one trait that underlies all of them. Because in reality, when you get selected, you might be one of a class of 10, 12, 14 people, and there were 8,700 applications. You had to go through a rigorous, what essentially turned into a four week interview process to make that cut. And you might have done that two or three times before you actually got selected. So it's really all about persistency. And I would say that's the one defining trait when I go back and look at astronauts that they all seem to have
0: sounds like a conviction and a commitment towards process and a willingness to continuously improve so i mean it, it, you're going back to the very beginning with process that you're teaching astronauts they all showed up great but like your peyton manning uh, parable there they were willing to do and endure what they needed to to get better what as we look forward to a year of uncertainty who knows, hopefully this vaccine takes hold. Hopefully things snap back. What
1: are you most excited about? Uh, well, I, I think the tailwinds from the vaccine are gonna unleash a, a torrent of energy. And I think that a lot of people have had an opportunity to self-reflect almost by you know, imposed isolation. And with any luck, what we'll see is a lot more people who are a lot more open to conversations and interacting with people. I mean, that's really my hope is that people can take that self-reflection and expand on it when they're back to being with lots of people again. I'm not sure that's gonna happen if you've seen what's happened lately in places like Washington DC, but you sure have to hope that people will, will think about how to interact with each other in a more effective way.
0: Yeah. Find the common ground. Find what we all align with. Well, Matt, thank you very much. Fascinating discussion. And thank you for your leadership with the NAF. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Jim.